Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about parenting beliefs that actually stop anxiety or OCD's progress with our kids. There are a lot of beliefs that we have that are due to a lack of knowledge or understanding around anxiety or OCD, or due to fear that present as a barrier to our kids having any long-term success with their anxiety or OCD. And a lot of times it is due to just the lack of education. And sometimes it is due to our own anxiety or OCD or, or, and, or our own fears. And so none of it's purposeful. Obviously none of us want to be a barrier to our child's long-term success, but we can't help but bring our own issues to the table because we're human and we're not a blank slate. We come with thoughts and beliefs and our own childhood and our own triggers and our own knowledge of what things are and what they aren't are, and it impacts it. And the best way to approach these things is to to take a look inside of yourself. And it is good to pause and look at how am I viewing the situation? How am I showing up for the situation? And taking steps from there. Sometimes when we don't want to look at that stuff, we wind up not being able to fully help our kids to the level that we can because we don't want to look inward. And that can be a scary thing or a frustrating thing. So we're going to dive into this muddy mess in a minute. But before we get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. You can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. The link is in the show notes. I also want to mention that the AT Parenting community, my membership community, has its doors opened just for a few more days. So this is coming out on Tuesday, February 14th. Oh, happy Valentine's Day. I'm obviously not recording it on February 14th. And so I wish you a happy Valentine's Day now that I see it is my dog's birthday. <laughs> she was a rescue dog and we got her in February. Actually, we got her on February 14th. And so we always celebrate her birthday on Valentine's Day because she brings us all love. And so I love that that's her birthday and that we got her on that birth- that special day. But the AT Parenting community will be open until February 16th in the evening, and that is this Thursday. So if you have been listening to me talk about the AT Parenting community and you're like, oh my gosh, we only open the doors a few times a year so I can focus on the members and giving support to them. And this is one of those times. And so if you're interested or want to learn more, you can go to atparentingcommunity.com. In the AT Parenting community, you get ongoing access to me in our member forums. You have your own private Facebook page, but even if you never want to be on Facebook, which a lot of us don't, we have live classes each week. We have Zoom calls each month. We have support group calls for the kids and the teens. You get a lot of my classes for free. You get free access to over $330 I think worth of my classes. So there's a lot of different perks in the AT Parenting community, and it will cost you less than a copay per month. So check that out at atparentingcommunity.com. Okay, 
let's dive into these beliefs. I really am into helping you shift your mindset and how you show up for your child's anxiety or OCD because I feel like that's one area that we actually have more control over. We don't really get to control a lot of our child's journey. We just have we can adapt and change and grow in in the roles that we play in that journey and understanding the things that we believe that are creating the barriers is really important. So, I made a list of them because I'm a list maker, not compulsively, but I'm an organized list maker especially when it comes to this podcast, and I'm going to start out with talking about I separate it into two different categories because I'm like I organize my thoughts in that way. And so the first category that I want to tackle is that lack of knowledge or understanding. And so this might be something that other family members or your partner or other loved ones believe and it may not be something that is your issue in particular. And that's kind of why I put this first because I thought some of you might say I want my partner to listen to this. And that's why they don't have to listen to the whole fear part of it because that might be you. Because I tend to think, and this could be a totally erroneous belief, but I feel like those people that are raising kids with anxiety and OCD that lack the knowledge and have, well, you'll see in a minute when I talk about the different things that show up, they tend to not be the ones that listen to my podcast, but those that have fears and are really worried and are showing up with a lot of fear they tend to reach out for a lot of content to help their kids because they're anxious about it. There's a lot of people in between that are not either one, but I do find that to be true with my resources. So I'm going to do the other, I'm going to do the first one so that those people who are like, oh, somebody's making me listen to this. You know who you are. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. So you're welcome. Okay. Let's dive into this. So the, the first one is that the child is being manipulative. That's a really common one that a lot of people believe. And this might be that other what other people believe, you know, your child's so spoiled or manipulative. I'm actually going to categorize these in the three categories: manipulative, spoiled, or bratty. They're a little different. When you have anxiety or OCD, it might seem like the child's manipulating because when you are in the fight, flight, or freeze mode or fawn mode, you will do whatever you can to get out of that situation. And so if someone had a gun to your head, and you had to talk your way out of it, yeah, you would probably be pretty savvy and manipulative to get out of that situation. And the same happens for kids who are having anxiety or OCD. They're not being manipulative in the in the way that we look at that with kids that are just manipulating you. They're just manipulating you to get their way. No, they might be manipulating a situation so they don't have to face a fear or a trigger. That is true, but that still goes back to what's causing it, which is a debilitating disorder whether it's anxiety or OCD. And a lot of times it's not manipulation. That's probably the wrong word. It's survival. And sometimes parents will say, you know, it's interesting how they can't do something in this environment or this situation, but then they can do this in this situation. And it's important to know that anxiety or OCD is not always rational and it doesn't always make sense. I have had kids who are afraid of germs and the compulsion that they have to rid themselves of germs so they don't get sick is to lick their hands. That makes no sense. They're actually putting themselves in more danger. But OCD doesn't make sense a big part of the time. You can't rationalize with OCD. And so sometimes people will say, well, how come they can do it with me, but they can't do it with you? And a lot of times that is because it's different situations. And sometimes it's because they're afraid of you. And so if you are very authoritative 
uh, a strong disciplinarian and are kind of a black and white parent or caregiver where you're like, it's you do this or this negative thing is going to happen, kids will become afraid. And that doesn't mean that they can turn it on and turn it off. It means that the fear of you is trumping whatever their anxiety or OCD is at the time. They're white knuckling it. It doesn't mean that it's good because if everybody adopted that style for that child, that child would, their mental health long-term would be much worse than a child who was taught skills and taught how to walk towards their fears or discomfort one small step at a time. And it's not to say, let's give into anxiety or OCD and, and coddle them. It is how do we give them the skills and tools at the level that they are able to do it and move forward one step at a time at their pace. And so that that is a difference. Some people think that kids are spoiled instead of having anxiety or OCD. And again, that is a misnomer. It's like sometimes people only see the outside and they see parents having to accommodate or you know, the child is not able to eat this food and so they're given something else. Well, what they don't realize is that child will literally starve to death because they have an anxiety or OCD theme that prevents them from eating. Does it mean that we're always going to cater to their struggles? No, but sometimes it's a bridge too far and we have to start with small steps. And so what we see on the outside is not always what's going on on the inside. And so you might have a child that has to leave because they're having panic and it can seem like, you know, they always get their way. They don't want to be here. They're bored and now they get to leave. That's not the case. Maybe the parent is able to pick up on the panic signals or the child whispered to them, I can't be here any longer. I'm going to freak out. And so it can look like they, you know, they're an exception to the rule or they get special treatment, but nobody's asked for anxiety or OCD. And if you had asked a child with anxiety or OCD, if they could swap whatever accommodation they're getting to just be a typical kid, they would swap it in a, in a millisecond. And so Spoiled is not creating anxiety or OCD. And when people think your child's just spoiled or your child's just manipulative, they don't understand anxiety or OCD at all. And that can be really frustrating if you have a partner like that because your child desperately needs help in building up these skills. And when we're just blaming each other or blaming the child, no one's developing skills. And so it's wasting time. The last one on in this kind of category is that they're bratty. That child's so bratty, they just have a tantrum whenever they can't do something and then you know you cave in or they're bratty because they have all this behavior. When kids have anxiety or OCD, they go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And sometimes it's fight. And so they can be perceived as oppositional or difficult. But again, if you were trapped in a situation that was overwhelming for you, you're going to have that visceral response as well. That's just being a human. And so understanding anxiety or OCD is really important. The next three in the category of lack of knowledge or understanding is that kids can be talked out of anxiety or OCD, punished out of anxiety or OCD, or bribed out of anxiety or OCD. And I'm going to just lump those together and then break them down because parents want to fix this. Every parent that I've ever met who has a child with anxiety or OCD wants to fix the outward behavior because anxiety or OCD impacts the whole family, whether your child is avoiding or they're melting down or they can't do things, or they demand that you do things. It is disruptive in the family household. And so everybody can agree that you want whatever's happening externally to get better. And normally that's across the board. You can have a parent who wants to discipline it out. You can have a parent who wants to talk it out. You can have a parent who wants to coddle it out. And you can have a parent who wants to bribe it out. And those are all different types of parenting. And 
the hardest parenting might be when you have a a parent who wants to punish it out and you have the other parent who wants to coddle it out and neither are really going to be helpful. And so you can't talk a child out of their anxiety or OCD, um, especially OCD. OCD tends to be very irrational. A child typically, especially as they get older, they have insight into how the thought or the intrusive thought or feeling doesn't make sense. And they get that their compulsions don't make sense, but they can't stop them. And so they need OCD therapy. They need ERP, exposure with response prevention, um, a type of CBT that is a very effective approach for OCD. And so when you just try to rationalize with your child and say, no, you know that you already washed your hands three times. You don't have to wash it again. Or you know you're not going to throw up today. You're fine. When you give that reassurance and you try to rationalize with your child, it doesn't help. It actually tends to grow the OCD. For anxiety, it's not as black and white that you can't talk them out of it. But when you just talk to them and you say, you're fine, you're going to be fine, um, or it's not a big deal, it doesn't help because you're not teaching them how to think for themselves in a way that can talk them out of their own anxiety. So anxiety can be approached in a problem-solving, cognitive reframing sort of way versus OCD. OCD really can't in that way. I'm not in like the common way. But with anxiety, I still want to teach my child how to think. I don't want to spoon feed them thoughts that make them dependent on me and to say, you're fine, or it's fine, or you're going to be okay. Then they're going to never want to leave my side because they're going to need my reassurance. Instead, I want to teach them, uh, what can you tell yourself right now? Let's talk about your red thoughts and green thoughts. That's um, an approach that I teach in my how to teach kids to crush anxiety course in how to how to teach them how to navigate those anxious thoughts. And so we, again, we're skill building. I don't do that for OCD. We do different things for OCD, but that's an important component. The next one is they can be punished out of it. And you might get some short-term gains in this area, which cloud the water even further or muddy the water because yeah, A child will respond to fear and they might hide their compulsions or they might white knuckle their fears, but they're not learning long-term success. They're not learning long-term skills. They're learning how to hide their anxiety or their OCD or their fears from you. And so it might seem on the surface, like, look, they're doing much better. They're not doing any of their behaviors or they're not avoiding. We're forcing them to do stuff, but you are actually reinforcing those neural pathways that grow the anxiety or grow the OCD because they're having a fear response that's going on internally and those neural pathways are growing. And so instead of, you know, here, you can face this scary situation and you can see that you can sit in the discomfort and you can over time do better when I'm forcing or I'm being punitive and I'm punishing you and I'm forcing you to do something. Those neural pathways aren't learning, you know, a new way of looking at the problem. They are in, you know, they're in fight, flight, or freeze. I don't mean to keep saying that, but I am saying that a lot. They're in that mode of survival. And when they're done with that situation, they think, phew, I survived that. I survived that. Not I, you know, I'm so brave and I'm so powerful and I learned how to cope with that. I was forced into that and I survived that. And I I don't want to do that even more so. And so when we force our kids without building up their skills, we actually grow their anxiety or OCD. The last one, which is probably coming from a different type of parent, is, or you can have, you know, conflicting approaches. You might sometimes punish and sometimes bribe, that they can be bribed out of it. Now, I am a big fan of behavioral incentives and behavioral modification. That's a huge component of of what I teach, and it's a very big component 
of many anxiety and OCD therapists that we offer in reinforcers. You know, I give bravery points to my kids. I gave bravery points to kids in my practice to earn things because they're being brave. There is a difference between just bribing and doing behavior modification. And so when we're bribing, we're just saying, oh, you can't sleep in your room. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you a Barbie tomorrow if you could sleep in your room all night. That's setting your child up for failure because you haven't given them any skills. You haven't addressed the core fear. You haven't done any of the detective work to understand what is fueling this fear. You haven't done baby steps to, you know, slowly get them used to sleeping in their in their own room. You're just treating it as a pure behavior issue that if they really wanted to, they could just do it. And so I will just dangle a carrot and say, you can get your Barbie tomorrow and maybe they'll white knuckle it and they'll get their Barbie, but they've learned nothing. Most of the time they won't even white knuckle it because their fears trump anything that you're going to give them. But if it's something big enough, they might white knuckle it for that time being. But again, they've learned no skills. And so that reinforcer is nice and it is important and it is part of what I teach. But first, we don't set up kids for failure by giving them no tools, no skills, no small steps, and then just give them something they really want. That's that's setting them up for failure and putting them through a lot of pain and, and suffering for no reason. And it might look like it works because they really wanted the thing, but they've, they've learned nothing from it and they're not going to maintain anything. And so building up their skills, if they have anxiety, working on their reframing and how they think of things, and then setting up small challenges where if they can do those challenges and use the skills that you've already taught them, and then they can earn these things, that can be a game changer. But the incentive comes after building the skills and it comes with small steps. And so there is a big difference in that. Okay. That is my category of, you know, maybe needing a little bit more knowledge or understanding around anxiety or OCD. After the break, I want to dive into fears because a lot of fears, you know, make you want to protect your child. And some of the fears are, I hear them over and over again. And so I'm going to tell you what the most common fears I hear are and what we can do about them. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. 
So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Welcome back. Okay, so let's dive into the fears that can actually be a barrier to progress for your child's anxiety or OCD. The first one that I hear so much, and I actually have a podcast about it. Let me find it because I'm going to link it. Because for those of you that really need to dive deep in this, I want you to know the podcast number. It is, can my child catch other OCD themes? I don't hear it as much about anxiety, but I get this question a lot for OCD because OCD has a lot of different themes, a lot of different intrusive thoughts and categories that are vastly different, right? So you can have a child who is afraid of germs, and then you can have a child who's afraid to throw up which could be different. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the same. You could have a child who's afraid of harming other people. You could have a child who's afraid of harming themselves. You could have a child who's afraid they're going to turn into a bad person. You can have a child who's afraid of things that are not even. You could have a child who's perfectionistic and needs things just right. There are so many different flavors of OCD that are really, really different. Anxiety doesn't have that diversity as much as OCD. And so often, especially in my online course, How to Teach Kids to Crush OCD, I do get a lot of parents who ask me, especially in the the lesson where I ask, uh, I'm teaching you how to talk to your child about OCD. Is this bad? Can my child catch other anxiety or OCD themes? If you want a deep dive on it, check out episode 229 of my podcast. I that the whole the whole podcast is about that, and so you can take a deeper dive. But the the short answer is there are pros and cons. I'm going to talk specifically about OCD because anxiety, I don't see parents as worried. You know, if I'm afraid of bad guys, I'm not afraid of separating from you. You telling me that other kids have other anxiety themes and they're afraid of separating, that really, that doesn't seem to scare parents as much as saying, oh, you are, you're afraid of germs, but let me tell you about OCD where you're afraid of harming other people. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to give my kid other OCD themes. And there's not a clear-cut answer to this because there are pros and cons. OCD is opportunistic. I say that all the time. And it is like this sticky octopus and it's got these tentacles and it's trying to glum on to whatever it can. It will hold on to things that the child values or cares about or um, is important to them. And so they can be anywhere and that sticky octopus might click onto another theme. And this can truly be anything. My son, when he was in preschool they did or maybe it was first grade kindergarten i don't know but he's 13 now so it was a long time ago they did a jump rope for your heart fundraiser 
and they talked about sugar, you know, not being good for your heart. And it was all a fundraiser and they were just educating them on healthy eating. Well, he developed OCD around sugar and all he would eat were vegetables and went on such a restrictive diet based on his health that it became a huge OCD issue. And, you know, it's like you can't prevent these things from happening. It could be something that they watch or something that they hear or something that someone says. I've said things that were like really innocent as a parent, and it's triggered a whole OCD theme that I didn't see coming. And you can't see coming. There's no way you can see them coming because OCD will, will can take anything, any innocent comment or education or interaction and turn it into a theme. So having said that, yeah, if they're listening to like different, you know, stories or people's experiences around OCD, if they are vulnerable to have that theme, then one of those tentacles might glum onto that. And yeah, they might develop that theme. But that's not the issue. The issue is the octopus. And so if you have an octopus to begin with, if it's big, it will grab whatever it can around it. If it's tiny, its tentacles can't really glum onto things. It's not as sticky. And the bigger issue is OCD will morph and change and it will shift. It will change themes. It will change approaches. It's chess, not checkers. I say that a lot. And if my child's only educated in their one little theme, they're going to miss that proactive opportunity to see a small weed growing and, and pluck it out. There are many times where my kids have said, mom, this is OCD. And I didn't know it because they're in their head. And by the time we can visually see it and it's external, it's been growing for quite a while for a lot of our kids. They are the, the gatekeepers of their OCD. And so if we're not educating them on the, the multitude of ways that OCD can pop up, then they're going to miss them. And it doesn't mean that we have to dive deep into each theme. It just means that listening to YouTube videos, or I have a course called Crushing OCD for Kids and Teens, and there's lots of kids in there. I have 12 kids who share their stories and they talk about their own struggles. And they're they're naturally organically hearing different themes and different ways that OCD is showing up. But they're learning that the framework of OCD is the same no matter what. It's an intrusive thought or feeling and the need to do or avoid something to get brief relief. And the more they do or avoid, the bigger their OCD grows. It doesn't matter the flavor. And so you have to be a detective and you have to be able to spot the different flavors that pop up so that you understand it. And so some parents want to avoid teaching their kids or talking about other themes because they don't want their child to catch it, which I do get because you can't say that that won't happen. But they can also go to school tomorrow and they can hear something at school or they can go go watch TV and hear something and equally glum onto an, a different theme. Because if the octopus is big, it's big. But having kids read books about OCD, take a course on OCD, or even have a therapist give different examples about OCD is very, very helpful. The pros to me outweigh the cons. Because if I'm walking on eggshells because I'm afraid OCD is going to get sticky on something, then OCD is already one. And so um, you can have a deeper dive and listen to that episode, that podcast episode where I do talk about it, but that's the gist of what I'm going to say. Okay. Moving on to another fear. The fear is that if I don't give in to anxiety or OCD, then they're, they're suffering too much and I don't want my child to suffer. And so I just want to give them what their anxiety or OCD wants. And so for anxiety, it might look like my child is afraid to do this. And so they're not going to have to do that. And my child's afraid of that. So they never want to separate from me. So I will just always go with them wherever they want. And my child's afraid to go to school. And so 
I would just have them stay at home and my child's afraid to eat. So I'll just find something else to eat. And I get that. We're going to talk about anxiety first. I'm going to go into OCD because they're, they're kind of two different things, but anxiety is never satisfied with the avoidance. It wants more avoidance. And so if my child can't eat that because of an anxiety theme, like a fear of choking, not just picky eating, but I'm afraid I'm going to choke. And so I only want to have soft food. Eventually, even the soft food will be a problem and they'll have to only have liquids. Like anxiety will want more and more. If I just want to stay at home because I don't have a panic attack or I don't want to throw up in public, maybe initially it's just school. I don't want to go to school because what if I have a panic attack or what if I throw up? Okay, don't go to school. That's fine. Done deal. No problem, right? Well, now I don't go to school, so that's fine. But now I'm afraid to go to restaurants or I don't want to go out. It, it can balloon out from there. And I'm just using these as examples. They're different examples. I'm not saying this will happen to everybody. But when we appease anxiety by coddling anxiety and giving into anxiety, anxiety grows. That doesn't mean it's black or white. It doesn't mean that we never give in or we never accommodate. It's a process. There was a time where my daughter had emetophobia, the fear of throwing up. And when she was in first grade, she didn't want to go to school. And so we did make accommodations and we said, well, you know, and this is kind of how I approach school anxiety. If you had a magic wand and you could get rid of some parts of your day, which ones would you get rid of? And she's like, I don't want, I would get rid of going to lunch. And because at lunch, I'm afraid I'm going to throw up and I'm eating and I'm worried I might throw up. And we did find out down the road that she has a huge lactose allergy bigger than I think the average person with lactose intolerance and she has celiac. And so her stomach would hurt when she was eating. We didn't know that until down the road, but it, she also, you know, anxiety and OCD are opportunistic, like I just said. And so they glommed onto the fact that she was truly having physical pain and added the phobia and the fear on top of it. And so, you know, she got a 504 plan and she didn't have to go to the cafeteria, but that wasn't good enough for her anxiety and OCD. And so then it was like, okay, well now I don't want to go to PE. And then I didn't want to go to recess. And slowly it was narrowing down more and more stuff. And we were building her skills at the time. We were doing exposures and getting her used to, you know, handling discomfort and the fear of that she may or may not throw up. And we were removing those accommodations as she was able to handle them. And so I went to the cafeteria and I sat with her and we had lunch together. And then over time she was able to handle that. We came up with plans. And so the idea isn't that you never give in to anxiety or CD. It's that you do it with intention and you are constantly working towards pulling back those accommodations. Now with OCD, we'll have parents who will learn that accommodations are not helpful and they won't learn the nuances of pulling back accommodations. And so they might pull them back too far or too fast without really building up their skills that I talk about in my courses, like how to do this and how to do this really correctly. Sometimes people just want shortcuts. I have a short class. I have like an advanced class on moral OCD in my online school. And it is a bonus class that I created because for some reason, I think sometimes parents have a hard time coming up with like exposure ideas for moral OCD, which they shouldn't because it's kind of all the same. But I made a mini class just to go into that. And there are parents, and I get it, you know, it's a much cheaper course, but their parents will just go buy that course and not the foundational OCD course that they, they really need in order to do exposures. And so a little bit of knowledge and then running with it is super dangerous because if you're going to do this stuff without a support of a therapist because you can't find one or you can't afford one or your child won't go to one, you need to have all of the material and all of the facts before you start doing these things ad hoc. And so that is why I have very comprehensive courses because I want parents to have all the information I would teach you if you were right in front of me in my practice. 
And sometimes we take shortcuts. And one of those is maybe just listening to a podcast and saying, okay, I'm going to pull back all accommodations. And then, yeah, your child is suffering because you haven't given them any skills or tools. They're not doing their part, which can be really rough. But some parents, you know, are giving their kids the tools or the skills, or they are in therapy and they feel bad because OCD will have a meltdown. And so OCD will, they'll demand that they don't pull back their accommodations or they will, you know, have a a two-year-old temper tantrum and it's the OCD that's doing it. And the parent will worry that their child is suffering. And so they'll want to really cater to the OCD. So we have lots of dynamics going on with their suffering if I don't give in. Some are pulling back their accommodations too quickly because they don't have that information. And I know I keep mentioning my school. So it's atparentingsurvivalschool.com and you can see all those courses there. But a lot of times parents are doing the right things and the therapist is teaching them the right things. And they're like, oh, my child is suffering because they are feeling discomfort. You know, like I'm not washing all their clothes three times a day, or I'm not completing their OCD loop. And I'm not telling them that they're not a bad person when they're asking me, or I'm not telling them that their food is safe to eat. I'm not completing the loop. And now my child's sitting there with their thoughts suffering. And if I could just, you know, answer them, then they're going to feel relief. Or if I could just wash the toilet for them, or if I can just prepare their food in the exact way that they want, then they feel better. And I want my child to feel better. Unfortunately, that's the short-term view that you're seeing that, yeah, in the short term, the OCD is satisfied. You gave in and you don't see the suffering, but you're not seeing the physiological damage that's happening when the OCD is getting satisfied. And so when we are part of completing a compulsion by doing our part, those neural pathways that are firing that grow the OCD are firing off and we're part of that firing because it's a loop. And so we don't want to grow the neural pathways that that strengthen OCD and create a long-term struggle for our kids. We want to help them minimize the damage that's going on and reduce the strength of those neural pathways so that they can find a different way, which is having them learn how to sit with discomfort. But that is a two-parter because they have to learn how to sit with discomfort. And, and this is the end that people miss sometimes, they have to be given the tools on how to handle the discomfort that they're being given. And so kids need to understand what is OCD, how it shows up when your parent isn't completing the OCD loop or you don't do a compulsion, what do you do instead? Because OCD is sneaky, chess, not checkers, right? And so it will it will make them do mental compulsions. It will make them argue with OCD or it might make them mentally check or play a mental game or do something that no one else can see. And so you're only one small component of your child's success. The other component that is bigger is educating them on how to dance with OCD in a way that doesn't grow it. And so will your child suffer when you pull back your accommodations? Yes. And that is part of the purpose because when they learn how to sit with discomfort and they learn to have that intrusive thought or feeling and not itch it, not scratch it, not grow it and just sit with it and let it pass, then they make progress. Then those neural pathways aren't firing as much and then they weaken and your child gets better. But there is a component that they need to understand. How do they handle the intrusive thoughts or feelings? You know, how do they avoid mental compulsions? Do they sarcastically talk back to OCD? Does that help? Can they just let it pass? Can they just recognize it? All those skills need to be taught and learned by your child. And so, you know, either the therapist is teaching them that, or, you know, I have the OCD course that's directly for kids and teens that's teaching them that. But that piece is important too. And so our child 
might suffer. They might look like they're stressed when we're not completing the loop. But long-term, we are not helping them fire those neural pathways that will keep the OCD strong. And that is the end game. The next one is they can't handle it. You know, my child can't handle the anxiety or OCD. And so I'm going to just cocoon them and prevent them from having a situation that might trigger their anxiety or OCD because they can't handle it. And when we, we have that belief, we rob our kids of experiencing difficult situations. We rob them of the ability to become resilient. We rob them of the ability to build up their muscles to handle discomfort that life will inevitably bring every single human being. And we don't want to do that. And so when we protect them and we overprotect them, we don't give them the opportunities to be able to handle the struggles. And a lot of times our kids will surprise us. So that's, that's a big one. The next one is I'm a bad parent if I, you know, pull back my accommodations or if I don't give my child what they need when they're feeling anxious. And it's not that we ignore our kids when they're anxious or when the OCD is, you know, wanting to hook us in. It's how we talk to them in that moment and how we motivate them that is important. And so saying, I love you, you know, and, and I'm not, and because I love you, I'm not going to grow your OCD. Or I love you and I'm sorry that your OCD is trying to talk to me right now. We can still do compassion. It's just what we say to our kids in that moment. With anxiety, you know, I'm so sorry that you're feeling anxious today, you know, and I'm so sorry that Mr. Worry or whatever you call it is showing up and giving you a hard time. And I wonder what green thought you can have, or I wonder, you know, and then starting to help them build their skills. It doesn't mean that we abandon them. It just means that we talk differently to their anxiety or OCD. Okay. I know I'm going through these rather quickly. I have two more. Sometimes parents will think that the stress is going to hurt their child physically. And there is a sweet spot when we are doing challenges or exposures. If a child is having a physiological reaction where they are shaking or they're breaking out in hives or they're throwing up, that's too much, right? If my child's doing that, whatever is happening, whether it's an exposure or a challenge or a situation, that's too much. If my child is just feeling nervous and they're having a little cortisol going through, they're going to have that anyway. Anxiety, living with anxiety or CD will pump those endorphins, cortisol, all those chemicals in their body, even when they're just stationary, because those thoughts cause those things. And so learning how to face the discomfort and having a little bit of stress is not going to harm them in the way that I think some parents are so sensitive to. But if my child is shaking, physically shaking, you know, we're not wanting them to jump off a cliff. We're wanting them to go near the cliff and to realize when they get near the cliff that there are many options, that they can have a parachute in the back and that they're not going to fall, that there's a ledge and the cliff isn't as steep as it was. They're not going to fall to the bottom. We want them to see that. Maybe it's not even a cliff at all. It just looks like a cliff from far away. But as they get closer, they realize that there's another step right below it. And so we're not wanting our kids to go off the cliff, but we're not wanting them to avoid even walking near it. So it's that sweet spot. The last one I want to mention And these are all just uniquely different. And so you might, some of these might resonate with you and some of them may not, but sometimes parents are are living through their own experience. And so they had their own anxiety or CD and it was handled in a way that they did not find helpful in their childhood. They're triggered by that. And so they don't want to show up for their kids in the way that was similar. And so they might've had a punitive parent or they might've had a parent who had this like suck it up mentality. And they are seeing pulling back their accommodations or they're seeing not giving into the anxiety or CD as the same. And they're not, they're really different. My mom, 
Like nobody recognized my anxiety growing up. There were bigger fires going on. You know, my dad had bipolar with psychosis and there were big, big fires going on. And I was a small little fire that I kept hiding. And I would, I would be throwing up on my way to school, especially like the first week. And my mom would just give me a tissue to wipe my mouth and she'd kick me out of the station wagon. Like there was no awareness of, you know, you can do this. You've got this, your anxiety showing up, but you know, there was no like pep talk. It was just hurry. I'm going to be late for work. Get out of the car. And so, yeah, there was not warmth in how to handle my anxiety. There was not even a recognition that I had anxiety because everyone else had their own mental health issues, but it was the same idea of like throwing you into the fire. And so when I am also having my child go to school and I'm talking to her and I'm coaching her and I'm validating her fear and I'm empowering her and talking about how brave she is. And we're talking about her skills and her red thoughts and her green thoughts. And we're, that's not the same as my mom. I'm not doing the same. Now, if I wasn't a therapist, I might, I might feel like they're the same. I might feel like I'm doing to my child what my mom did to me. And that, that would be erroneous because that is not the same. I'm not leaving my child hanging. I'm not forcing them to do something. I am giving them the tools to face their fears. And so it was bad for me, so it's bad for them. That that belief system can hold you back and make you over-accommodate, over-coddle, and over-cater to the anxiety or CD to the point where we're growing it bigger. Because the ultimate food for anxiety or CD is avoidance, and doing or avoiding things for OCD, right? So anxiety's biggest food is avoidance. The more you avoid, the bigger anxiety grows. Um, And so the more we help them avoid, the more they want to avoid, the bigger it grows. And then with OCD, the more we do, because the compulsions can be doing or avoiding, the bigger it grows. And the problem is if we force them in a punitive way too harshly, that doesn't help. But if we coddle them, and cater to it, that doesn't help either. So finding that sweet spot in between and understanding how we are here to build up their skills and cheerlead them and help them understand there's a cliff that's not as scary as their anxiety or OCD is saying, that, that's complicated and that could be tricky, um, especially if we have some of the barriers that I discussed in this episode. So I'm hoping that some of the things that we talked about helped clarify and motivate to find that sweet spot, that balance, and um, take steps forward and not create inadvertently some barriers that our kids don't need. So tricky. And we all follow into you know some of these categories for sure. I know I do. So I hope that you found that helpful. If you are enjoying my podcast, don't forget to review it, hit a star where you consume your podcast. And if you have a few minutes to leave a review, I greatly appreciate that been getting quite a few reviews lately. So I want to thank you guys. I'm a little behind because I'm reading one, an episode because, and sometimes it stops. And so, so I used to like just read a whole bunch of them at once, but I've learned I'll just keep reading one at a time, but I always like to read one to end my podcast. If there is a new one to show my gratitude. And so I want to thank hungry Jen for uh, writing a review. She wrote amazing support for parents. Natasha, I follow your podcast from Chile, South America. You are the best companion every day in my way to work. Oh, I love when I hear that. I love when I'm in part of like your routine. That just makes me feel good. <laughs> your expert advice and experience have helped me a lot in my journey with my son and my husband. Um, I admire your strength and resilience, dear Natasha. Thanks a lot for your generosity and, wi- and wisdom. Well, thank you for taking the time to write that review. I really appreciate it. 
Um, and maybe if you write one, I'll be reading yours next time. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. Just a shout out again that my AT Parenting Community membership is open. So if you like my guidance and you want it much more in depth, and I really get to know the members and um, as much as they want to be involved. Some people just want to, you know, dive deep into my courses and they know they're going to get one. They're going to get free access to a lot of my courses. And so some people just want to study and learn and it, financially it makes you know good sense to to do that if you're going to dive into the courses a course is $127 or you know a copay $30 for the membership and some people love the community and they love the access to me that they get to talk to me directly and have me on tap Monday through Friday 8 to 4 p.m. they can reach me anytime through the forums and boom like they get a response from me and I get to know them and I even get to know their kids because they join the support group and some of them jump on the zoom calls. So it is a very cool supportive community and I would love to have you there. So check it out at atparentingcommunity.com. It is closing this Thursday, the 16th. So don't miss that and happy Valentine's day. And I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.